You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. This is the Warrior Priest Podcast, and I am the Warrior Priest, Donovan Riley. This is episode 32, the third BJJ debrief. And first off, I want to apologize. I haven't posted a podcast in over a week or a midweek debrief. I had the stomach flu for uh, a week, about a week. And then at the end of that, I had a competition, in-house tournament. And even though I was at 70% yesterday for that, I decided to still show up and do my best to test myself and see, hey, even at 70%, what can I do? Can I compete at 70%? How well can I do in competition at 70%? And that weight cut, that final week's weight cut was easy because I survived on spring water and protein bars and cheese wisps for a week. And so, yeah, the weight cut was easy. And I actually showed up and weighed in fully clothed and still made weight. And uh, the upside of the stomach flu was that I was very relaxed because I was so dehydrated and malnourished. And I was in the present. I was in the moment. I wasn't worried about winning or losing. I was just worried about not throwing up or worse, having anything come out the other end. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I won my first match. And then I lost in the championship round to a brown belt, my brother Titus, who caught me with a pistol choke right away and choked the living hell out of me for about 13 seconds before I had that, that moment of clarity, as we say, in sobriety, where I realized that I wasn't going to be able to escape. He wasn't making a mistake. And it just got to that moment where I knew I'm going to pass out or he's going to break my neck or I'm going to tap. And I knew those were my three options because I had bitten deep into my own tongue at that point. And I knew if I bit down even harder uh, to uh, resist the choke, I was going to bite through my own tongue, which I thought, this is an in-house tournament. Biting through my own tongue when there's no money on the table and it's just personal glory seems like a really kind of ego-driven thing to do and not very smart for an adult. And no excuses, but nonetheless, it's still obviously if you're competitive at all, and if you are competing in any kind of tournament, obviously you're competitive, that's why you're there, it, it still stings to lose, even if you know you've been bettered by your better. And like I said, he's a brown belt, I'm a blue belt. That's the way this works in the hierarchy of jujitsu. Brown belts eat blue belts as hors d'oeuvres. They're not even a full meal. And so, again, shout out and congratulations to Titus for that because he's an outstanding competitor and an outstanding teammate, and I have nothing but respect for him as a human being, let alone as a jiu-jitsu practitioner. But that being said, one of the things that I reflected on over the weekend, because I got really sick on a Monday, really Sunday, but Mondays really, really hit me and it went into my intestines and just knocked me out. And I spent all week in bed watching British TV shows, detective shows is I, I knew if I was going to compete on Sunday in the in-house tournament, I had to test myself to see whether or not I could even be on the mat in any way, shape, or form that was physically and emotionally and intellectually possible. I didn't just want to throw up on somebody in the midst of a, of, a, of a match or worse. And so I went in on Saturday morning. I sparred for an hour in Muay Thai, and I went and sparred for an hour, about roughly an hour in Jiu-Jitsu, and put a really good two hours in and when I sparred in Muay Thai, I had three layers of clothes on because I just wanted to try and sweat out what was remaining of this sickness. I couldn't eat still. I was, I was again, water and protein bars and cheese wisps. And 
I made it through that and I actually felt good. As many of you who train know, you feel better after you train than before. And then woke up Sunday morning and, and decided, no, I can still compete. I'm feeling okay. Went to church, taught, was not even 20 minutes into worship. And I started uh, getting the sweats and my mouth started to sweat. And I started getting that fuzzy feeling that I get right before I throw up or pass out. I had shortness of breath and just struggled to get through the rest of the worship and then got home and just collapsed and fought with myself about whether or not I was going to do this. And in the end, my just stubborn, pig-headed grit got me up off the bed and I changed and I went. And I'm glad I did because like I said, even though I was 70%, I still won my first fight and lost to someone who was without doubt my superior, my better. And there's no shame in that, like I said, too. But thinking about it on the way home then, especially Saturday morning during sparring, I was so worried about getting punched or kneed or kicked in the stomach. Because I, again, like I said, I did not want anything coming out any direction. That I, I, I really upticked my aggression in sparring. And I don't ever intend in sparring to hurt any of my partners on purpose and especially not to hurt them or injure them in a way that they can't keep training. But as everybody knows who spars, there's just those moments where you get caught in the wrong situation, in the wrong place, and the other person's doing something and you just collide. As my brother Andy can attest, I clashed knees with him and I kicked him in the elbow, hurt my foot, and then we headbutted each other by accident during a clinch drill. So shout out to Andy uh, for your endurance <laughs> and your patience with me on Saturday. And a shout out to Andy and to Jeff and to other, my other teammates who competed in the beginner's bracket who uh, I think won uh, their first match ever as a beginner in jiu-jitsu. And for me, that's really, I mean, and I mean this genuinely, like for me, that's so much more rewarding than when I win in a certain sense, because to see people who show up all the time and put in the work and grind it out day after day after day, to see them win their first match or to see them overcome some obstacle or hardship and to triumph in that way. Like I said, to me, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know, there's just something about it that makes me so grateful to know people like that and to be, to have the privilege of being present when their hand is raised and even more for me anyways, is when they get that sub and the person taps or they win in overtime. There's just something about it for me that is so gratifying to see people that, that put in the work, like no success <clears throat> and know what that feels like for myself when I was in their position and won my first tournament match and how I felt afterwards and how much confidence I had. <clears throat> Excuse me, as you can tell, I'm still recovering from being sick. <clears throat> but thinking about something in particular on the way home on Saturday, and then it really hit home Sunday. Because when I showed up for the tournament, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really care if I won or lost. I just wanted to do my best. And I actually, even though I was at 70% physically, I still believed that I could win and get the trophy. There was just something mentally that hit me in January even where I just hit this point where I was certain that I could win against anybody given the opportunity even against a brown belt, given the opportunity. And even though I know that Titus is better than me in every way in jiu-jitsu, I still believe that given the opportunity, if there was an opening or there was a moment that I could seize that moment. 
He didn't afford me that moment, by the way. And so therefore, there was no moment to take advantage of. But nonetheless, I had that mindset going in that I can beat anybody. And I believe that. I really did believe that. <clears throat> and Sunday in sparring and Muay Thai in particular, I just put it on people because I didn't want to get hit or kicked in the stomach. And that uptick in aggression and that uptick in tempo for me then meant that I was doing a lot of counter punching, a lot of counter kicking and teeping, but also uh, because of my length, I'm 6'2", somewhere in the past year or so, I just kind of organically adopted a lot of John Jones's, he's a UFC fighter, light heavyweight, I just adopted a lot of his technique as far as striking and kicking and using my length to manage distance. And so I do a lot of what John does with stabbing heel kicks to the thigh, teeps to the stomach, counter kicks and punches. And for me, because I'm longer, it really serves me well, because I think I am pretty much the tallest person in, in the class when we're sparring. I'm definitely not the heaviest or the thickest, but I am the longest. And so I use that to my advantage. And I, as I just took it to people and did some damage to a few people. And again, not intending to hurt them or injure them, but just I'm not letting them get near me so they can punch or kick me in the stomach. And a few got through, and yet most of them did not. And the reason I bring it up is because I realized walking in that morning that I didn't care anymore if I hurt people in sparring. And I don't mean injure, and that's why I preface that by saying I, I don't ever intend to injure anybody. But by that hurting, I mean, when I first started in Muay Thai, I didn't have a problem with kicking, but I did have a big problem with punching people. And I don't know why, and I've talked with other people about it, and they've said similar things about striking for them, that they just felt bad about punching or kicking people or, or elbows or knees or whatever it might be. That there's something, for me anyways, there's something psychological there, or there was, that I just felt bad punching someone in the face. I could teep, I could kick, leg kick, I could body kick, I could even hip kick, and it didn't really bother me. But punching someone in the face for me, it, I just felt bad about it. And I didn't like doing it. So I would quite often just punch people in the shoulder or I would punch people in their gloves and I wouldn't aim for their head. And a lot of it's experience and repetition. A lot of it is habit. A lot of it is just overcoming those psychological hurdles for me or, or blasting open those doors that are locked. <clears throat> but for whatever reason, a combination of the stomach flu and not being at my best and being worried about being punched or kicked in the stomach, it opened a door for me that I went into sparring and said, I don't, I'm going to put, I'm going to put it on other people. I don't care if I hurt them. And within the parameters of what we try to accomplish with technical sparring, where we don't go above 50%, we don't set out to just bang with each other because we are trying to learn and we're trying to learn defense and we're trying to learn counter punching and kicking and we're trying to learn striking and kicking and we're trying to learn clinch entries and so forth. We're doing it at no more than 50% so that everybody, no matter what their skill level is, has that opportunity to actually learn how to defend themselves with this art called Muay Thai. And at least me and the other instructor believe that if you don't do technical sparring and you're just banging, especially for new students, they're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. And then you're never going to have an opportunity to get better and to improve and to learn how to defend yourself. 
So for us, it's key that we keep things between 30 and 50% when we spar. And that's what I mean is that I don't set out to hurt or injure anybody because I never go above 50% as much as I can help it. If you want to bang with me, I'll bang with you. And I'll bite down on my mouth guard too, and we can do that. I just prefer not to because I don't want to risk injury to myself or another person. I've had enough concussions in my life. I don't need to add to them at this point. And like I said, we're here to learn from each other and to help each other get better. And so what can we do to facilitate that? And yet at the same time, because of my experience, because of the last three years and because of the constant sparring and the work that has been put in and the learning and so forth, I'm now at a point, like I said, where I'm not afraid to hurt other people in the sense of punching them in the face, catching them with hooks to the side of the head, body shots, teeps to the thigh, teeps to the sternum, head shots, whatever it might be. Not with the intent of knocking anybody out, not with the intent of concussing anybody or permanently injuring someone, blowing out a knee, you know, breaking a rib, but at the same time, I'm not afraid of hurting someone so that if I do punch someone, I'm not saying, oh, I feel really bad that I hurt you, or I'm sorry, did I, did I, did I hurt you? I understand the risks and the other people that we spar with understand the risk that, yeah, you're going to get injured. You're going to clash knees. I'm going to catch somebody in the elbow with the top of my foot. We're going to headbutt each other. It's going to hurt. And yet that's a part of the game. That's a part of the, of sparring. And to cross that bridge for me was a major psychological hurdle overcome because now I can just be engaged and I'm not thinking about two or three or four or five things at one time and trying to manage all of those different things in my head while also avoiding what's coming at me. I'm just in the moment and I'm free and I'm flowing and I'm counter punching and kicking and I'm working my game and I'm imposing my will on my opponent. And for me, that's a very liberating moment. And so yesterday then walking into the tournament, that persisted where I'm saying to myself, I'm not afraid to uptick the level of intensity in the fight. And I'm not afraid of my partner getting hurt because I've been at this long enough now and I have enough experience in sparring and mat time that I know the difference. I know where the line is between trying to injure somebody or just injuring somebody because I'm not taking responsibility for what I'm doing with them and being too timid and too hesitant and saying, oh, I hope I don't hurt you with this Kimura. I hope I don't hurt you with this heel hook. I'm experienced enough now at this point to know where the line is and how intense I can go at a certain submission before I cross that line into, I'm trying to blow out your ACL, MCL. I'm trying to rip your shoulder out of the socket. Like I know that line now. And because of that experience, I can go to that line because it's controlled violence. It's controlled intensity. And because it was an in-house tournament, it was a perfect opportunity for me at least to do that because the people that I compete against, I train with all the time. So I trust them and they trust me and I have love, deep, deep love and gratitude for them. So therefore there's in no way, shape or form the thought or the intent within me to hurt or injure them in a way that they can't continue to train and compete. So that's what happened is that I, I, instead of being hesitant or slow to attack submissions, I attack submissions. And like I said, with, with the first match, I did that and I won. In the second match, I was outclassed by a better fighter who did not hesitate to do the same to me. And so I've done it and I've had it done to me. And to have that, for myself anyways, to have that, that door open up to me, for me feels like the next 
part of progress in my learning that I'm no longer now hampered by that. Because as I was talking with another brown belt, my senior instructor for the intro class yesterday after the tournament, at least for myself, and, and he agreed, is that the longer you do this, the more you show up, you trust less and less in your athleticism, in your strength, in your youth, in your flexibility, whatever it might be that you trust in that isn't the technique, that isn't the jujitsu or the Muay Thai. The more you train and the more you compete, the more you trust in the technique. And the more you trust in the technique, the freer you are to fight, to compete, to learn. And so for me, that's ultimately the lesson that I learned the past week, other than I hate getting the stomach flu in February, which seems to happen to me every year in February. The last three years in a row, I've gotten the stomach flu in February. I don't know why. It's the, and it's the only time I get sick all year. It's just one week in February, every year I get sick. So for me then, that's kind of the point of this debrief is just to say, if you're not there yet, you'll get there. If you just keep showing up, keep putting in the hours, keep getting smashed, learning how to survive, learning how to defend against that so that you're not just surviving, but now you're defending and then learning how to attack from inside the defense and then learning how to just attack and then learning how to maintain top pressure and maintain those positions and to pursue this line of thought from point A to point B to point C that leads to that submission is that if you're not there yet, you'll get there if you stick with it because I got there. It took me about two and a half years. And there, again, your mileage may vary depending on who you are. It's about your brain. It's about your body. It's about your emotions. There's a lot of things involved in getting to these, these touch points. But for me, it was, it was this week. And so now going into the next competition in March, that hurdle, is I've made it over that. That door is open. So now in the next tournament, I'm very curious to see how I compete against strangers with that mindset of, I believe I can win against anybody now. And I believe in the technique more than I did in, let's say, November at the last tournament. And therefore that, that growth has freed me even more to trust in the technique and to trust in what my coach has instilled in me through our private lessons and through the comments he makes when, when I'm sparring in class and after competition is to build on that constantly and to invest that in that bank that it's jujitsu or that bank that is Muay Thai and understand that it does actually pay. It pays back if you continue to invest. So the opposite end of that too then is not only coming out on the other side of it saying I'm not afraid to hurt people now because I'm more aware of the line. I trust more in the technique, but I'm also not afraid to get knocked out anymore, which may be not a good thing, but at the same time, it's about overcoming and managing fear. And for the longest time, I was afraid of getting punched because I was afraid of getting hurt. I've been kicked in the eyeball and had my cornea cut with a big toenail. I've had my shoulder separated by being swept out of my head in Muay Thai. I've had my shoulder separated in jujitsu from an arm bar. I've broken my toe. I've dislocated both my thumbs. Like I've done a lot of damage to my body. But again, it's just you get injured, you tape it up, you keep coming back until you can't, and then you take some time off for it to heal. But again, all of that investment in yourself and all of that investment in the process it adds up at a certain point where you finally get hit and you finally get knocked down and you finally get choked and you realize it's not that bad actually. Getting punched actually isn't that bad. After the fact, it hurts, but when you get punched, you never feel it. You never see it coming. The cliche is true. And unless you get kicked in the eyeball, that totally hurts immediately. <laughs> but um, the point is, 
But I'm also at that point now where I'm not afraid to get knocked out because I'm, I've trained long enough, I've sparred long enough, and I've, I've built up that mental strength and I've learned how to manage that fear so that the worst that can happen, like I think Randy Couture said this, right? That you imagine the worst thing that can happen to you when you get into the cage and then you're free from that worry. Well, the worst thing that can happen is you get knocked out. And when I got caught yesterday by Titus and I was getting choked, it was more of a pain choke than anything. So I didn't want to tap because I wasn't getting choked unconscious. It was just painful. And I wanted to push myself to hold on in the midst of the pain and wait for him to gas out his arms or to make a mistake. And to, in that moment, in that split second where you make that decision, which is probably more of an unconscious than even conscious decision based on hours and hours and hours and hours on the mat, my brain just decided we're not going to tap. And I even raised my hand at one point to tap and I put it back down because I realized I was tapping from pain and I wasn't going to tap from pain until it got so bad that I was worried that he was going to break my neck which is when I tapped actually, because I felt my, I felt my head and my spine misalign in a way that led my brain to go, this is not good. <laughs> this is definitely not going to end other than a catastrophic injury. So you need to tap right now. And I did. And the lights went out all over the world for a second. And then the lights got too bright. And then I sat up and I hugged my, my, uh, my teammate. And that was that. And again, like I said, I wasn't even mad at myself that I lost because I, I made it to the championship round with the stomach flu. How can I be mad at that? And I'm 48 and I'm competing with people that are half my age. So bonus round. But that's my point is that there's always those fears, the fear of going too far, the fear of injuring somebody else, the fear of getting injured. But through time and through work and through showing up and the training and trusting the process and learning to trust the process and learning to trust technique and learning to trust those training partners you lean on them and you lean on the technique. And the more you do that, the stronger you get mentally and physically and emotionally to withstand those rigorous moments. And then you build, again, you invest those in the bank so that when I go into my next competition, because I held out longer than three seconds, I held out 10 seconds longer than I did last time. Now I know I can withstand a lot more pain than I thought. And so the next time I get caught in that situation, not only will I recognize the technique next time, because I didn't even recognize it because I'd never been caught in that submission before. Now I know to ask tonight, how do I get out of that? What's the defense against that other than don't get caught in it? Shout out to my coach who always tells me that. <laughs> but that's my point is that if you keep showing up and you, you keep putting in the work, yes, it sucks at first because you're the nail all the time and not the hammer. And even after a brown belt, my brown belt teammates tell me all the time, there's always a black belt that they're always the nail. And so you're always going to be somebody's nail, but you're always also at a certain point, always going to be somebody's hammer. And that's jujitsu. That's Muay Thai. That's combat martial arts. There's always going to be a winner. There's always going to be a loser. And at the beginning of any match, at the beginning of any round of sparring, you have a 50, 50 shot at being the hammer at being the one who gets the submission rather than the one who is submitted. But if you don't show up or you get frustrated and quit, you'll never know that moment of joy that comes from seeing someone whom you respect because they show up and they put in the work and they're a good partner. When they get that submission or they win that trophy, you feel like you've won because they won. And so for like Annie and, and Jeff and others who I said who won their first match, 
or for Mason, shout out to Mason who defended his title from the last in-house tournament, defeating again a 16-year-old mutant spider child who won again against adults. That those are the people that then inspire me to keep coming back and to say, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your physical shape is in. It doesn't matter where you're at mentally or emotionally in your life. If you keep showing up and you keep putting in the work and you surround yourself with good people who you can trust, who will help you get better, it doesn't matter how many matches you lose in tournament competition. It doesn't matter whether you get knocked out or tapped. It doesn't matter if you end up hurting someone else who decides I'm not going to tap and you're going to have to rip my arm out of the socket or you're going to have to choke me unconscious. You know where the line is. And they chose to go over the line and you chose to give them that option then. Oh, you want to get choked unconscious? Fine. I'll choke you unconscious. Or maybe you choose not to. Maybe you choose not to cross that line. And kudos to you, especially in sparring. There's no reason in sparring that anybody has to get choked unconscious. In my opinion, anyways. Um, there's no reason in sparring that I got to kick you in the head and knock you out and give you a concussion. There's no reason for that. Even if you want that. I still don't think there's a reason for that. That's a, that's a thing. That's on you. That's not on me. I'm not going to facilitate that in sparring. But some people like that. And that's, that's your thing, man. Fine. Go find people that, that want to do that with you. Cool. If that's how you train and that's how you learn, go for it. It's just not for me. But that's what I mean is that when you, when you roll with people, you build this intimate bond with them that you can't share with anybody else. And you can't explain it to anybody else unless they've done this. Because as has been said ad nauseum, um, in countless other podcasts and blogs, when you roll, when you spar with somebody, they you can't hide who you are as a human being. You can't hide your true person from them. Because in that moment, you're not worried about hiding or projecting this image. You're worried about just surviving and defending an attack. And you're worried about blocking a kick. You're not worried about you know being the tough guy or, or proving that you're macho or, or that you're this, that, or the other thing. You're just trying to be, you, you're literally sucked into that moment. You're into that flow state you're not even aware of yourself. And so you, your true self comes out and you share that with another person. And even in competition, like I've said, when you compete in-house, when I'm done competing against my own teammates, my gratitude and my respect for them grows exponentially because of those moments because the intensity is turned up and we're competitive and we're going after each other because we're going after that prize. <clears throat> and so to come out the other end of that, and one person's frustrated because they lost and one person's elated because they, they won. <clears throat> it doesn't change the fact that we're teammates. And it doesn't change the fact that when we come back the next day, we may talk about our particular match, but who won and who lost and who got the trophy, that's a moment. And then we're just on with training and it's behind us now and people don't bring it up again. It's not lorded over the people. It's not thrown in your face. It happened. At that moment, at that time, it happened, and now we're moving on because there's more to learn and there's more to do. And trophies don't define you as a human being. It doesn't define you as a jiu-jitsu practitioner or as a Muay Thai fighter. That those trophies, they hang on the wall, they gather dust, but the, the experiences that you build with these people, these people are what matter most. That's the reason that you're really there doing this. And the benefits from that are immeasurable, to me anyway. They're immeasurable, and I wouldn't trade them for anything. And I'd probably pay any price to keep, you know, to keep training and, and to keep having those experiences. So to everybody that competed, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. To everybody who shows up every day and trains, I have nothing but the utmost respect and love for you. And to everybody who gives their time and their attention to me to help me improve and grow and become better, 
not just in jujitsu Muay Thai, but as a human being, thank you. Thank you to everybody on social media and everybody who listens to this podcast and everybody who, who gives me the feedback and just gives me the like and says, hey, you know what, I'm paying attention and I'm benefiting from you being out there and I benefit from you being here. You make me better. That to me is, is good and right motivation. That's good uh, encouragement. And it's the kind of thing that we need more of in this world, especially nowadays. So thank you again for listening. Thank you again for sharing the podcast with other people and promoting it. Thank you for encouraging me and pushing me to be better than I think I can be so that I can get off my butt and walk in at 70% and say, I'm here to compete and to test myself so that when I'm competing at 100%, I can say to myself, you know what? If I can do that at 70%, then I can definitely do that at 100% and I'm going to do it. Not just for myself, but for everybody else who invested their time and attention in me to get me to this place. So I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for everybody. I represent not just myself and not just my gym in an abstract sense, but I represent all the people that I train with every day who got me here. So to all my coaches, to all my teammates, to everybody who competed, like I said, much respect and love. And I will see you for the next podcast. Peace.